0: two locations. It's great to see you this morning. Today's just going to be a fun day. We're going to have a great day. We're in our second part of our series on, fan- on, actually the fourth part, but the second part on raising champions for God. And then uh, today we're going to go to the beach. We're going to have a beach and baptism day. And we've had, I think, almost 30 people, 25, 30 people that have signed up for baptism today. I'd encourage everyone here. We're, we're, it's going to be a family day. We'll have some waters and you can already have lunch, or you can get lunch up there, however you want to do that. But we got a great big bus that we borrowed from Faith Assembly. We know gas is expensive, and so we're going to pay for the gas. For those of you that want to just, you want to catch a ride, we'll have a bus out here. that will take you up here. The bus will leave at 2 o'clock. And so you'll need to be here at 2 o'clock if you want to ride the bus today. But it'll start at 4 o'clock, and we're going to have a service on the beach. We'll have our little pop-up tents and some cases of bottled water out there to keep us uh, keep us, what do you call it, liquefied, hydrated, yeah, keep us hydrated, and uh, it's going to be a great, great day. Our ushers are coming this morning. That that song is a great tie-in for a scripture verse that I want to read this morning concerning our tithing and our offering. Proverbs, who the Bible declares, was the wisest man who ever lived. Pro- Proverbs is a book that was written by a king by the name of Solomon, and Solomon gave us these words to instruct us in the way that we were to live. You see, there's the wisdom of man and the wisdom of this world. And then there's the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God always produces blessing and life and favor. It always produce, produces good things in the life of those who not just hear, but the life of those who do. And in Proverbs chapter three, chapter, chapter 3, beginning with verse number 5, Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now listen to this. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil, for this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Everyone say first fruits. Of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Proverbs gives us the pathway to wisdom, to live the blessed life. And Solomon just simply says, trust in God in the area of your wealth. When you say, God, I'm bringing my tithe and my offering to the Lord on the first day of the week, what you're saying is, Lord, I trust your wisdom rather than the wisdom of the world. I want to challenge you today, because there's so many ideas and opinions, and we have all these pressures and and challenges in our walk and relationship with God. This is an area, this is an area that really is a test. It's just a test. But I tell you, when you pass this test, the joy that there is in giving, the joy and experience the generosity of Jesus, and just knowing that what you're doing is making a part, not just in this church, but throughout the world what a great great feeling to know that you're part of something that's making a difference in our community and around the world i want to pray over your tithing your offering this morning we make it easy there are a lot of people that tithe online we have little debit card things you can fill out in front of you you can always give cash or checks but listen today i want to challenge you today this area of tithing this area of giving your first fruits to the lord not giving after you paid all your bills You honor the Lord with your firstfruits, and he will show himself strong in your life. I want to speak blessing over you. I want to pray a blessing over you today. Father, we thank you for the gift and the giver. We thank you for this opportunity to serve you in our giving. You said trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not upon our understanding. God, we're not sure how this works, but we know that there is a spiritual reality that's far greater than what we can see. So with the eye of faith, we give today. Believing that you're the God who opens doors. You're the God who makes ways. You're the God who keeps us healthy. You're the God that provides everything we have of. Bless your people as they give this day. In your wonderful name, amen. God bless you as you give this morning.
1: One of the most emotional episodes ever. I don't have a relationship with you, and that is
0: painful. Joe visits a blended family that's coming apart at the seams.
1: I have your pasta here. Okay, give it to me and go away.
0: Teen daughter Amanda treats her parents like garbage.
1: I said don't touch me. Why are you on my case? I don't want to do it. And drives her mom to tears. She said she wishes I would die can joe break through to amanda you don't to want me. to do this anymore not, you know why everything's always my fault be home on time it's freaking summer and get her to follow the rules here is safe out there's not. or will her anger infect the whole family <gasps> Illinois, ready to help a big, blended family who desperately need my help. Why don't we all take a look?
0: Hi, we're the Atkinsons. I'm John.
1: And I'm Jen. From my previous marriage, I have two daughters, Amanda, who's 14. I just shut up! And Abby, who's 13. I have a daughter from my previous marriage, Julia, who's 10. And together we have Reese and Maeve. Reese is four. <laughs> and Maeve is two and a half. It's extremely challenging having a blended family. There are a lot of different dynamics going on in our household at one time. Well, this is a big melting pot, right? I hate you. Reese is extremely stubborn and willful. Alright, say mommy. Reese has very bad separation anxiety, from John in particular. She flips out. She screams so much. She's actually damaged her vocal cord. For six years, when I was a single parent, it was me, Abby, and Amanda. It was like the three musketeers. We were extremely close, but we're losing that connection. Why do you keep going on about it? All right, I'm gonna go clean up, and I'm gonna be quiet. Good. To talk. Good. It bothers me a lot. I don't even think they want mom around. Mom, you're pissing me off. You just wait. Um, Amanda is um a handful to say the least. Mom, what's wrong with you? If I step in and try to give her any kind of direction or guidance as her mother... Yeah, if you do your homework yeah. now, you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the night. Why break. are you on my case? I don't want to do it! She becomes almost explosive. Everything I want, we can never get. You're here's the ABCs of Grocery shopping. No, no I, don't, I don't give a f-. Did she just say one thing she said? Don't touch me. I said don't touch me.
2: That's a shame. That's a shame.
1: Lisa started to kind of have the attitude towards me that Amanda has. Get out of my face. Stop being this. Oh, this has got to get better. (laughs) Super nanny, there are so many issues here that we need to address. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We're up to our necks in this. What are you doing? To make this work, it's probably the most important thing right now. We need some help. Wow, I've certainly got my work cut out for me, haven't I, eh? So hold
0: on, because I am on my way. I'll see you. All right, Super Nanny's on her way. We're going to have two Super welcome welcoming to the platform this morning. And I want to welcome my wife, Laura Smith, and Miss Lori Lee. And so we could have our Super Nannies come to the platform this morning. Welcome. Great to see you. We're going to have you have a seat right there. And you're going to have a seat right there next to Super Nanny right there, Miss Laura. All right, we need one more mic up here. We're talking about discipline today. The Bible has a lot to say about discipline, whether it's a two-year-old that's throwing a tent tantrum in your house or a teenager like we just saw there in our little, uh, our little video exercise who can't control their temper and expresses himself in inappropriate ways. The Bible gives us, the Bible gives us some really clear guidelines on how to discipline our children. Our big idea, the thing that we've been talking about, the thing that we talked about last week and the big idea that we want to communicate today in this area of discipline is that we want children to love God, live for God, and fulfill His purpose in their generation. The goal, the great goal, the great overriding goal and and working with our children and training our children and teaching our children and raising children is that they would love God. Everyone say, "Love love God. They would live for God. And they would fulfill the purpose of God in their generation. You can say that with me. To fulfill the purpose of God in their generation. Now, our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father is not opposed to discipline. As a matter of fact, our scripture text today is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. And we're not going to have time to read through all the scripture this morning. But basically, the context of our scripture this morning is that God disciplines those he loves. And then God lays out the pattern for discipline and how he allows discipline to come into our life. I have a little handout for you this morning, and it shows four different parenting styles. And I want to talk about these briefly before we get into talking about some questions and how we can discipline and some proper ways that we can discipline our children. If you're a grandparent today or if you're a parent that has children that are in their 20s and 30s, Let me tell you, this is for you today, because at every station and phase of your life, you still parent. As long as you are older than your child, as long as you are older than your child, you're still going to be their parent. And so these phases that we're talking about here are primarily for people that still have children in their home. But there are many grandparents in our culture today who had the responsibility of raising their children. And and so what, what... with psychologists and people who study, a sociologist who study the family background and the family life, they've really broken down their four different parenting styles. And I want you to just look at these. Upper, uh, your upper left-hand corner is what they call the permissive style. And, and the permissive kind of parent, you've seen this kind of parent before, uh, they really love their children, but they're almost afraid of their child. They're afraid their child isn't going to like them. Uh, they're, they're afraid that they're going to hurt their child's psyche or their emotional makeup. Uh, they really don't know how to properly discipline their child in their home. And so they find themselves being very permissive. Maybe you've seen this kind of child in a grocery store. They're just throwing a great big tinter tantrum. And the child wants, you know, they start to grab like a candy bar off the checkout line. And and rather than dealing with that child right then, they just go, okay, go ahead. They don't want to make a big scene. And so they allow that child to control and to direct the roost. They're a permissive parent. The problem with permissive parents is that they actually develop a very low self-esteem in their child. Their children actually develop a very low self-esteem and they find themselves to be very insecure. Permissive children also have big owies come in their life when they have to deal with the real life and they get just a little bit older. Because not everybody is going to allow them to be a spoiled brat in their world. Uh, the second type of parenting is a neglectful parent. And I, I, I don't think anyone here necessarily struggles with this, but maybe you've had this experience in your life. A lot of parent, a lot of people, they have children and they're, they're just not equipped. They don't have a relationship with God or they have big addictions in their life or they have big alleys in their own life and they completely neglect their child. They neglect their child through provision. Listen, If you're a dad in this room today and you're not living with your child, you have a responsibility to still provide for that child. I mean, this whole issue in America of child support, a father's not paying the child support, that's a neglectful father. And God's not pleased with that. You have a responsibility if you've produced a child to provide for that child. And so it's never easy to do those kinds of things. But there are, are many parents who are neglectful, maybe because of their own issues and their own problems. And the problem with neglectful children is the children... Really, they grow up with a great sense of insecurity. They grow up looking for love. A lot of young girls who've grown up in neglectful homes. They also reproduce the same the, the, the same kinds of things that happen in their parents' life. And, and this is really our prisons and our jails are full of children who've been neglected in their life. Uh, the third area is over in your far bottom right-hand corner. And we call it the authoritarian parent. This is the, the drill sergeant dad or the tiger-fighting mama. I mean, they're just really, they love their kids, but boy, they are extremely disciplined and it's their way of the highway all the time. It's not that they don't love their kid, they just don't know how to express it in a way that builds up. Authoritarian parents tend to be punitive when it comes to discipline rather than to be uh, uh, taking a positive uh, uh, approach of being a disciplinarian. And there's a huge difference between being punitive and being a disciplinarian, disciplinarian in your child's life. And in the fourth area is the authoritative area. And and all of us, if we were to be really honest, we all have strengths and weaknesses. We had a little fun thing that we did in our family yesterday. And I asked my boys, what quadrant did I fall in? If you really want to know what kind of parent you are, just ask your children that can communicate with you. And uh, we had a lot of fun with me defending myself, telling them I wasn't a number three or a number one. But the goal is to be an authoritative parent. In other words, you know who you are, you're secure, you have a clear plan about where you're going as a family. i I, I got to tell you, just these overlying as we get into this and talking about discipline, the overriding goal, the overriding goal in your life and the way that you really can raise great kids for God is that if you put God first in your life and you live for Him to the best of your ability every day. I, I got to tell you, as a Christian, the number one thing that you can do for your child is to put God first and his kingdom and when you do that you will see a lot of these other things start to work in your life because what happens is your parent your children become who you are it's not what you want them to be it's who they see modeled in your life and so as we're going through this we understand that there are phases and there's stages in parenting i found uh, as we were talking through this i found that when my children when my children were younger it seemed to be easier for me I'm having a way more challenging time with a 21-year-old son trying to transition him into adulthood. I've found that this has been a far greater challenge in my life than dealing with them when they were four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, when they tended to be very compliant and really wanted to please their parents. And so, we're going to talk about that today. And we have some questions, actually. I think that were written last week by uh, some of the people in our in our studio audience. And so we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk a little bit about those. But maybe, Laura, we can just talk about this video that we just saw. The challenges. What, what are some of the challenges you saw in that video that, that you just saw there with that, uh, with that family?
3: There are a lot.
0: There are a lot. There are a lot. That's right. <laughs> can you turn your mic on?
2: It's, it's okay. It's, okay. Uh, maybe I mean, introduce, introduce yourself and what yourself and you do professionally. You do.
3: Sure. I'm Laurie Lee. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and a board certified behavior analyst, which um, is a fancy name to say that I work with children mostly who have discipline issues, uh, verbal aggression, physical aggression, non compliance, um, defiant behaviors, mostly in the home, but sometimes in schools, and that's what I do.
2: She's a super nanny. No.
3: <laughs> She's a
0: super nanny. That's great. Well, sometimes
3: I'm successful, sometimes not.
0: <laughs> it's a great challenge, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's a great, a great challenges challenge because you're having to come into situations like this where there's complications because of being a blended family and
3: Right. And you know, <clears throat> the biggest challenge is the children are misbehaving, but that's just a symptom of a family problem. It's really poor parenting mostly that's going on.
0: Most of the time it's poor parenting. That's good. Let's go ahead and and, uh, talk about some of these questions uh, that we got last week. The first one is, how do I discipline my four-year-old who is very defiant at times, but the rest of the time, very lovely? Let's talk about that. How do we discipline a four-year-old who's very defiant at times, but the rest of the time, very lovely?
3: Well, I think you need to communicate your your expectations. Um, Defiance is basically disrespect. And if you're the adult, you want the respect. And you set the example by not being disrespectful to the child, but not allowing the child to disrespect you.
0: Yeah, like the first time, uh, one of and both of our sons tested this one is, uh, "I don't love you." Mm-hmm. You know, what's that? I hate you. They I hate you. Oh yeah, say that's, that that's the, the mother will all. They work. almost
2: all try that at a certain
0: age. Yes. Exactly. And yeah. so, how do we respond to that? My child says, "I hate you." Four-year-old just—they don't even know what the word really means, but that feels good when they say it.
3: <laughs> well. You know, you just—I would say that—that's um, okay. You still have to obey me, and I love you. And let it go. Not make a big deal about it. Be very calm.
0: Okay. And Laura, how how would you approach that?
2: Well, uh, I have to say that I did just the opposite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Not that that didn't work for Johnny, <laughs> but I—I I said, <laughs> you may feel that, but you are never allowed to say that in this house ever, ever again. <laughs> And then.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it worked. It absolutely worked. So, two ways. There you go. We got two parents, we got two different styles. One of the things that I have also realized about parenting and about just about most areas of life is that we parent based upon our own spiritual gifting and unique DNA, the the way that God created us. So, some some people, because of their personality types, are are more low key and, and they tend to be more calm in their relationships and the way they communicate. Uh, Laura tends to be a little more passionate, uh, especially when it comes to raising her boys and expectations. Uh, we also found that the words that you speak can never be erased. And so when that your child is allowed to say those kinds of things in the home, they can never take those back. And it just releases something into their own spirits. So if they feel, they can get away with that. So for us, in our perspective, um, not allowing your child to say those things... Was extremely important because they're always going to test at every stage of their life. They're always going to stay. They're always going to test the boundaries. And
2: I think it, it's setting that boundary early on, and then when they cross that boundary, decisively and definitively, saying, "We we do not do this. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't cross that line."
0: That's good. So, because most of the time, the four-year-olds they are loving, isn't that most right? So most of the time, they're very, very. And
3: they're usually looking for a reaction with those words. Right? Yeah,
0: they're looking for. They're looking to see how you're going to react mm-hmm. to that. That's good. Uh, Okay, let's see here. We've got another question. Is there anything I can do about my adult children who do not show me love or respect? So now we're going from a four year old. Let's go, let's talk about adult children.
3: I don't have any. Okay. <laughs> um, but the families that I've worked with that have adult children, you don't have any power over them, especially if they're not in your home. And so you can't make them. Love you or be in a relationship with you, but I would say.
0: How about if your adult child is living at home? Because statistically, more and more children, or especially adult children, are moving back into the homes because of financial situations or because of a transition in life. Let's talk about that, huh? How do well, we How do we bridge that?
3: You, that? Um, <clears throat> I think that you would have the same house rules apply. You know, you as you change the rules as the children get older with their responsibilities you would still have the same type of rules where they um, are expected to help out with chores, maybe pay rent, um, you know, curfews, that
2: type of thing.
0: Depending on the age. Depending on age. Mm -hmm. Laura, what do you...
2: One of the things that Laurie and I were talking about in the front row is that um, we're constantly, you're constantly working on your parenting tools. And um, I came to a place just a little while ago where I really felt stuck on some issues that I was dealing with with uh, with Austin. I felt like you know I, I had a lot of the parenting things down. Um, I, I tell my our parenting classes a lot of times people will do more reading and studying on their hobbies, like fishing or hunting or whatever it is, knitting, than they will studying their most important role in life, which is parenting and so if, if you if you feel stuck, I, I um, bought a book that I'm reading right now called How to Really Love Your Adult Child. And um, and one of the things it talks about is you can, you can draw the boundary, and we learn this in foolproof also, if, um, if they don't speak disrespectfully, you do not have to have them, you don't continue to talk to them, or if they're not in your family, if they're not under your roof, to um, be able to communicate with, with you. I love you. Uh, we want to have communication with you. We want to have a relationship with you. But if you continue to talk this way, we won't be able to have you over to our house. And that's easy when they're not living at home. It's a little more difficult when they are.
3: And I would say if they're not living at home, to continue to love them in the best way you can, maybe by cards or notes or phone calls, how are you, I care about you, but set the boundary that you're not going to talk to them if they're disrespectful. That's
0: good, good. And we're going to boomerang back to uh, we're going to talk about children and spanking. Can we talk about that for a little bit here? Because obviously that's a hot... Actually, we got the most questions on spanking. We've got more questions the on The spank... questions all said
2: whooping. Whoop- whoop- There's so a the lot way. of
0: whoopings going on out there. <laughs> so we're going to talk about some whoopings and how we approach spanking with our children. And there are differences of opinions. There are differences of concepts and ideas about how to discipline children. The Bible is clear. The Bible talks about spanking, but the Bible never talks about abuse. And before we talk about spanking, I want to talk about this area of abuse because there is so much abuse in our culture. There is so much abuse. There are, there are so many people that, that can't control their emotions because of their own internal issues. And, and so their children then become the whipping post. So their children then become uh, the, the, the thing in which the parent takes out their frustration and their anger on it so first of all we don't tolerate abuse we we actually here because of our licensing in our preschool with the state we have to report any child abuse or any child abuse that we think that might be taking place if we see unusual marks i mean we have a very very high standard here and as a church and as a staff and as a team uh, we are very committed to this and so if we have a sense that there's sexual abuse we've had to turn people in we 've had to call uh, the police department because we suspected that there was child abuse or sexual abuse taking place in a home we 've had to do that that 's a very ugly thing that 's one of the most painful things that i 've had to experience as a pastor but but we will do that uh, physical abuse uh, the Bible does not condone physical abuse and uh, physical abuse is because the parent can 't control their own reactions and their own emotions and out of their own brokenness so when we talk about this we, everything we talk about here, here is the highest goal is love. And so since we had a lot of questions about spanking, I felt like it would be appropriate. And then we're going to talk to Lori about maybe some alternatives to spanking. But let's talk about spanking for just a couple minutes here. Uh, we did we did spank our children. And uh, we've, we have two boys. We have a boy who's 21 now, and we have a child who is 16. And uh, we found that our first child seemed to receive more uh, discipline, corporal discipline. I, I think our youngest one saw his older brother getting spanked and realized that wasn't something he wanted to experience. And so I'm just—I was trying to play back in my mind, and I can remember maybe two times that I actually had to uh, spank Canaan And I generally was the one that spanked, although Laura had uh, her moments and opportunities to to express love to her children <laughs> in this measure and this way, but. Uh, some people feel like spanking is harmful, and let's talk about that just for a moment, Lori. Talk about the the harm, potential harmful effects of spanking.
3: Well, um, especially when in, in anger, it can be abusive. Um, there, you know, it could be a, put up a wall between the relationship between the child and the parent, um, if not done appropriately. I mean. Uh, I think I mentioned to you Chuck Swindoll wrote a book that really clearly outlined if you want to spank. He has a real clear outline on how to do it appropriately. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of people don't, let's just say. A lot of people spank in anger, and that's where you're not really disciplining at that point.
0: Yeah, just, you're taking out your aggression on that child. Right. And tell us some long-term consequences or results of children that have been abused in this area of spanking.
3: Um, they tend to be physically aggressive, as um, and they tend to be disrespectful, like the girl on the tape was. Um, you know, just real
0: disrespectful to authority.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, how do we discipline? How do we discipline our child in a proper method, Laura? do not we talk about that for a moment?
2: Um, well, when my boys were little, I, I found that um, I had a tendency to want to fix it right that minute, and um, I would feel myself wanting to, like, they backtalk me, wanting to slap them in the mouth or something. And so I, I said, I am not going to spank my child, my kids. I'm going to let Eugene. And he never spanked out of anger. He always did what? Tell us your technique, what you would
0: do. What did I do? Well, one of the things that I did is uh, when they were, if they were two, three years old or four years old, and, and probably when they were little, like when they were, you know, 18 months or two years, it would... The only reason that I would do it would be just absolute defiance, like when they would say no back to you or something that potentially could cause them harm. Like if they kept wanting to reach up and touch the stove, you know, I would pull them away and slap their hand and let them know that, you know, this pain right here, and always communicate, you know, the reason why I was doing it, but this pain, if you touch that stove, you're going to feel a lot more pain. So it would be really on a protective measure on their end. Uh, when uh, Keenan and Austin who were about three or four My process was that I would send them to their room, and if they were four years old, I would make him wait four minutes uh, before I came in. And usually by the time I got into the room, there were a lot of tears, there was a lot of crying, uh, there was a lot of repenting, there was a lot of begging. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, you know, because they realized that what they had did was wrong. And so I I just went through a process every time. And
2: you would spank them, and then you would...
0: I talked to them what about first of all i 'd always talk to them about to make sure that they understood what they did they understood the, the infraction that they violated or the area of disobedience that they committed and uh, and I would talk to them about that, and so I would lead them through this process and they would talk about it and then I had uh, an instrument that had their names on it. Uh, I never spanked my child with my hand. I always had a little a little paddle that had their names on it, and I would actually make them go and get their paddle and um, and they knew exactly where the paddle was and then i would either lay them over my shoulder as austin was a really big kid and so i had to kind of lay i tried to lay him over my my lap but he got too big you know when he was around 6 or 7 even for that but i would lay them over the bed and and then uh, i would apply two or three swats to uh, that area uh, of your body that god made just a perfect bullseye target for a parent to apply the rodic correction to and, and then after that, um, I would pray with them. Every time I would pray with them. And I would have them pray. And I would have them ask God to forgive them. Because the goal for me was not punitive. And I have a little chart there. There's a difference between being punitive. See, punitive is focused on past misdeeds. Discipline is focused on forward redirection and repentance. Because the goal for me was to have a child that loved God. And the fact is the the fact is the fact is I taught my children to fear the Lord because don't kid yourself. The God that we serve, the heavenly father that we serve disciplines us and discipline is never pleasurable. It's not something that any of us enjoy. And so I really was teaching my boys and training my boys to fear the Lord more than fear their father. I was really teaching them to fear the Lord and to understand that there is consequences because Galatians 6 says, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So I was teaching my child that, that there are consequences to sin in your life. And the consequences will be discipline. But the goal is repentance and restoration. And, and Two
2: guidelines for spanking. Is, one is uh, you spank for direct violations and, and disrespect and uh, but not for childish irresponsibility. Mm. Um, everything that you do as far as disciplining goes according to the developmental stage that the child is at. So if you're disciplining them because they forgot to do something but they're, they're real young or uh, they make a mistake, et cetera, it's more for um, out-and-out defiance. Mm-hmm. And there's also a narrow period of time where you uh, should discipline with spanking, and that's at about 18 months and by 10 years old, you should be done spanking. Mm-hmm. You do a good job when they're young and you're getting those weeds out. Uh, there might be a period of time when they're four, five, six, seven, where there are some spankings, but each year should be less and less. And then you are transitioning into other methods of discipline, like logical consequences. Yeah, six or seven, even
0: honestly, if you're still spanking at 10, man, there are some things that you did not deal right. with. And right. then you need to get Dr. Kevin's Lehman book. How to get, how to have a new child by Friday. Because if you're spanking your child at 10, I gotta tell you, if that's a con, if it's a, if it's a frequent thing, there are some things that didn't happen when they were two, three, four, five. Because if, here's the thing, if you have little children right now, the most crucial ages in your child's life in teaching them discipline and obedience and authority is between the ages of two and five. Uh, between the ages of two and five, those are absolutely critical years of teaching your children what it is to respond correctly to authority in their life. And so by the time they are six, seven, eight, like I said, and if your child's a teenager and you're punching them, you're being abusive. And uh, you're sowing bitterness into your child because I was a child, I, I was abused. And so I know what that is. I know what it is to be beat by a father. I know what it is to have corporal punishment handled in an impro- inappropriate way. I know what it is to fight with my father when I was 16, 17 years of age, being in full fledged fist of cuffs with my father. And so I can tell you there are the right ways and there are wrong ways to do this. And so if you're spanking your child at an older age, uh, you really need to get some counseling and need to get some professional help because it's an inappropriate way to deal with your child. So, kind of, we, you know, somewhere in here, the 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 age, if you do spank. Let's talk about some other ways that we could spank. And, right. and I brought Lori because I really, Lori is excellent at communicating ways to help people to, uh, to uh, discipline in a way in an area that doesn't have to do with corporal punishment. And so why don't you talk to us about that, Lori?
3: Well, there's a natural consequences is always good. Um, just if, if they're available, you know, to, to you. Uh, and then, of course, I love Grandma's rule. And Grandma's rule is simple. We all can remember it. If you don't eat your peas, you don't get ice cream.
0: There you go. It's
3: that easy. And you can pretty much apply that, you know, even to that 18-month-old that you were talking about. You know, you can just apply that. Um, Pastor uh, mentioned Dr. Lehman's book, and uh, he has a scenario in there where a four-year-old was kicking the back seat of the mother's car as she was bringing him home, and their routine was that she would normally give them cookies and milk when they got home. And, you know, she had asked him to stop kicking the backseat of the car. He didn't. And so she didn't say anything. She got in the house, started her laundry or whatever she was doing. And he came over and said, Mom, where's my milk and cookies? And she said, No milk and cookies for you today because you kicked my car and you didn't obey
0: me. Yeah, so consequences to their behavior. And it
3: worked. You didn't. Next day, you didn't do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And as your child gets older, when they're in their teens, 11, 12, 13, 14, it really has to be through communication. Exactly. And then consequences through areas of disobedience. And one of the great you know, challenges every parent has is trying to get the child to clean their room.
3: Right. And, and, you know, have to be consistent in your expectations and consistent in your consequences. They need to know that you mean business. You can't
2: yeah, one of the great...
0: <laughs> it, it, listen, if you're inconsistent in your church attendance... Let me just let me make it really plain to you. If you're really inconsistent in your church attendance, and you're, in, you're inconsistent in your walk with the Lord, you'll be inconsistent in raising your children. Uh, it's just, you know, this is... This, that's a free one there for you. I didn't get that out of any book. But I can tell you that if you're up and down in your relationship, because you've got a lot of internal stuff going on inside of your heart... And so then your children tend to get the brunt of your internal frustrations. And so just, you know, if you're a parent out there, one of the best things you can do for your kid is to, every time the church doors are open, you're in church, your hands are up, you're worshiping God. When you fail and you make a mistake, you're quick to repent, and you tell your child you're not perfect, and you communicate those things to your kid. One of the greatest things that you can do for your children, building champions for God, is being consistent in your own walk with the Lord.
3: And I would say the second greatest thing is to love your spouse.
0: That's excellent. We talked about that last week, loving our spouses. That's really, really good. The next question is How do I discipline a child who is failing in school, not because he can't, but because he doesn't care? He seems to have no ambition. Besides pray, what can I do?
3: Well, it doesn't say how old the child is.
0: Okay. So let's just pick an age. Let's say 12 years old. 12 years old. Middle school.
3: Middle school. you can withhold all the privileges, you know, and try to force this person. But if they're real stubborn and resistant, just let so them so fail. A
0: strong-willed child. So just let them fail.
3: It's not the end of the world.
0: So let them fail. Okay. So that's, <laughs> no, hard for a, the natural, that's hard for a parent, right? It is because as a parent, we want our kids to what? Succeed. And we know that education is one of the best ways.
3: But, again, you set the expectations. You know, if you're failing in school, you cannot have access to these privileges. Twelve-year-olds usually like to do a lot of things, sports, video games, roller skating, whatever. So you've got control of the
2: privileges. If they're failing, you don't get them.
0: So finding something that they're really interested in. Okay. What else do you think,
2: Laura? Positive reinforcement and and negative. But they get to an age... um, we just finished a parenting class a little while ago where James Dobson talks about uh, the rocky years of uh, being in a, a boat in the middle of a huge storm during their teen years, and the toughest years are 12, 13, and 14. And there are some, um, some kids, especially the stronger-willed children, that go through a stage where basically your goal is to keep from cap- letting that boat capsize. And you'll go from having a compliant, sweet 12-year-old girl one day, the next morning, she wakes up and she does not want to to adapt to anything that the family wants to do. Um, and that that might be an indication of uh, that per, That child knows that that's a way to really affect their parents and their teachers to just not do anything in school. So it's part of their rebellion. And uh, like Lori said, sometimes you just have to just try to hold on and until the storm subsides yeah because there are ages
0: and especially with certain types of children but young women tend to at certain ages go through uh, that developmental stage where it's you know we've seen that I've seen it in my own family with my sisters where it's a very challenging time for the parents very rocky time
3: and Laura hit on a really important point is reinforcing them positively for what they are doing right and if If you increase the reinforcement for the appropriate behavior, you increase that behavior. So if you just think about you you have so much good behavior, you have less
0: to worry about. that's really good. If you have younger children, I mean, obviously the best time now is to do everything you can when they're younger. Uh, Kind of the approach that my wife and I took is I think if you have a young child, you need to get an intentional plan now. Most parents just, you know, well, this is the way my mama did it, my grandma did it. Most people don't get an intentional plan. If you're going to succeed in any area of life, you have to have a plan. And so my wife and I came into an agreement. And this is really, really, if you're a married spouse today, whether you have a blended family, whatever type, however your nuclear family looks today, or how you got together, you have to be in agreement. That is so important. Part of the challenge that so many families have is they're not in agreement and how they're going to deal with, with the issues of parenting and raising their children. So let's say you have a spouse and they're li- or an ex-spouse and they're living in another state, it is to your best, best uh, uh, benefit to your child that you really work with that spouse and come into some kind of agreement of how you're going to raise your child. Uh, in our home, my wife and I, we had a game plan. And our game plan was to be stricter when they were younger, to be, you know, be very disciplined, and to be very strict and very loving. We had lots of love in our home. We had lots of fun. Our kids were always with us, but as they got older and as they proved that that they could, you know, handle responsibility, and they were doing their part in school, and they were doing their part in home and their chores, we gave them more freedom. And uh, the, the goal and what the communication from us was, you know, if you if you violate that trust, if you if you don't do things the right way, then we take the freedom away.
2: The number one uh, principle that's that's really good, but the number one principle that's uh, helped me in the last few years, is that connection has to precede cooperation. And uh, the Bible teaches this. The secular uh, behaviorists are now discovering this, but the Bible has also taught this. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And um, if there's a disconnection between you and especially your adolescent, they are not going to want to cooperate with anything going on. And so it's so important that you need to connect with them in, in whatever area they're interested in, Uh, You praise them, you affirm them in whatever you can. And uh, that, that connection, James Dobson was talking about how he taught junior high, and he had a really rowdy school that he was at. And he made a point to connect with every student at lunchtime, recess, before school, after school, so there was a personal connection with each student. And that transformed the whole atmosphere of that class. And he had the best behaved class. He was very firm, but he was also very fair and very loving. And that's the type of atmosphere that you need uh, to have in your classroom. Something that Lori Lee, um, I I believe that you were the one that told me this. Um, She was, you should tell it because (laughs) you lived it. But she was counseling a family that couldn't, this lady was so upset with her teenager, she couldn't think of anything positive to say. And I I think Lori said, uh, well, there must be something And so what what, you were actually, I was telling
3: you, um, it wasn't me. It was, um, when we were teaching
2: the positive parenting, Dr.
3: Latham, who wrote that book, um, this woman had was complaining about her teenager and nothing about her teenager pleased her. I, I think it was a boy. He didn't smell good. He didn't look good. He didn't speak good. He wasn't good. And Dr. Latham said to her, "Well, you've got to find something to connect with him to to build that relationship, and you've got to find at least one thing to say to him that's positive." So he came home late one night, and um, she he walked up, you know, surly the way he normally was, and she just walked up to him. She said, "Nice breathing, son." I like
0: the <laughs> nice breathing. <laughs>
3: and and he said, "What?" And she said. Nice breathing, son. And he hugged her. And she said, I love you. And that right then broke the rebellion. Yeah. And he they started building the relationship and then he started obeying. And, you know, what you're saying about the Bible, there, there's something that we say all the time. Rules without relationship equals it's rebellion.
0: rebellion. Right. Every time. Right.
3: So you really, that staying close to your child and, and investing in their relationship Will,
2: will carry a long way, even to adult children. Mm-hmm. I, we joke about that in my family now, because after you told me that story, now with my boys, uh, if they're kind of getting under my skin, they know the other side, you know, they're in on the joke too. I'll say, Keenan, I like the way you breathe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if you're a permissive parent today, you need to move towards the authori- the authoritarian side, authoritative side. If you're an authoritarian parent today, you need to move more towards the permissive side, if you're a neglectful parent, you just need to stop it. You need to stop it. You need to stop being a neglectful parent and take your responsibility. If you're an abusive parent and you find yourself not able to control your anger, you need to get some counseling. You need to get some help. You need to work through those issues because, because what you're doing is the seeds that you're sowing of bitterness into your, the child of your heart will stay with your child. Now, we talked a little bit about last week, but this, really this whole thing is it's grace-based parenting. There's no perfect parent on the planet. It's the grace of God. It is God's grace. I mean, I look back at my life, and, you know, my parents did the best they felt they could, and there were lots of issues in our family. But the fact is, as an adult, I still had to take personal responsibility for my life. I I couldn't blame my parents because of some failures and things that happened. I couldn't blame my parents. I had to take personal responsibility for my life. When it comes to discipline versus punishment, listen, Punishment, punishment is wrath, and produces anger and bitterness. Discipline produces training and righteousness, and honestly, it produces a life of love. It produces a life of love, and the parents, the parents who stay focused on these three things, when the child are young, they're they're disciplined. They're very disciplined with their children, and uh, they're they're strict. I mean, they have strict guidelines for the child. But they have lots and lots of love in the home. They'll produce children who are healthy. And that's the goal. The goal is to produce children who love God, live for God, love God, live for God, and fulfill His purpose in their generation. Grace-based parenting says this, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need your grace. Because the Holy Spirit is in us. He'll help us. He'll be our teacher. He'll be our guide. Jesus took your punishment and your sin upon Him. He took your punishment and your sin, and He laid out a path and a way for us to succeed. The goal today for every person in this room, the goal today, whether you're a parent or grandparent, is really is to see the grace of God, is to see your children understand the grace of God and their life, and pass it on to the next generation. This thing is about generations. And if you have a child today that's outside of God's will for the life, you have a, a child that maybe you didn't do it right when they were growing up. I want you to know today that the goodness of God and the grace of God leads every person to repentance. And you might not be able to do a lot about the past, but you know what you can do? You can start fresh today. Listen, if you find yourself and you look at this quad and these things and you say, you know, I tend to be over here a lot, and you want to have a big family council with your kids, and that might be okay, but really the best thing to do is just start doing it. And start getting some books. We have some books that we wanted to recommend to you today. One is by a pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who passed away just a couple of years ago. But he had a great book called Raising Champions for God. My whole concept that we've got for this really has come out of this because this has been in my heart from the time my boys were born, before they were born. I've always believed this, that my job was to raise champions for God. And then uh, Parenting Isn't for Cowards by Dr. James Dobson is also another great book. And Laura has a book, uh, that Dr. Dobson actually has, like, a Q&A. And just about any question you can think of, Dr. Dobson responds. He's one of the great, uh, uh, really one of the great parenting teachers in uh, the world today. I really believe in Dr. Dobson. We've used a lot of his stuff. And then um, Lori mentioned uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman, who uh, his practice, uh, the, the, the psychological practice that he uses or the technique that he uses is called reality-based parenting. And uh, I really uh, subscribe to his methodology and really, uh, any, any of these kinds of books, anything like this will help you in your parenting skills. I like Dr. Kevin Lehman a lot. I would encar- encourage you to get any of his books. But today, we want to finish our sermon with just something a little bit different. Because we know, we know that once we get outside of the safety of these four walls, and you get back into the home, sometimes your house looks just like what we saw in this video. I don't know about you, but there are times that my house has looked just like what I saw in this video. And I, I want you to know today that Not God... Quite. Not quite, not quite as bad. No, we don't have cursing. But this that that tension and that frustration and and how do you deal with it? Because we're humans and we all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of the grace of God. And what every person in this room needs today is encouragement. What every person, no matter where you're at, you're a grandparent today, you need encouragement that your grandchildren can make it today. You're a parent today. You need to be encouraged that God's grace is sufficient for you. That he is our helper. The Holy Spirit. We are not powerless. You're not doing this on your own. This isn't just applying a bunch of techniques. Although techniques are helpful. And and doing the right things produces right results. You really need the grace of God. And maybe some of us just need to be forgiven today. We need to say, you know, God, I really messed up. And I was looking back over some of the things that I did. And, and And your children will always be quick to point out the areas that you failed in. You know, your children will always be quick. To, I mean, that's just the way kids are. They they don't forget. We did that with our parents. And the more you did that with your parents, probably the more your children will do that with you. So you want to be really merciful to your parents. And all the parents said, amen. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to finish in a time of prayer. I want to pray. I, what I want it to do, I want us to stand together. And uh, Tom's going to come this morning. And and we're going to spend just a few moments this morning in praying what I want you to do today, if your family is here, if you're a parent today and you still have children in the home, I just want you to come to the altar. You, you're a parent today, and if your spouse is here, I want you to come. If your spouse isn't here, I want all the, if you're, if you're a parent today, your children, they might be 18, 19, 20, I don't care how old you are, but if you're a parent today, I want you to come. I just want you to make your way right now to the altar. You're going to have to fill it in because there's a lot of parents in the room. We're going to pray for all the parents here this morning. If you're in this room and uh, your children are full grown, I really need the grandparents to come and stand behind the parents who have children in the home. If you're a single person and you don't have your young married couple and you don't have kids yet, I'm going to have you come and stand behind. If you guys, I need some ushers just to help me kind of, you guys kind of help fill in. You guys have to move up a little bit here. we got some people coming. Amen. I was laying on my bed last night, and I was just thinking about my own weaknesses and insufficiencies. You know, it was a funny moment that we had in our family yesterday when we talked about some of my weaknesses as a dad. But what it did is it really showed me that I need God's grace. I need God's grace. I haven't done it all right. but I know this. I'm putting my trust and my faith in Christ today. And I know today that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that I could ask, ever ask or think today i want you to know that i care i care for you i care for your children i want to see your children become the very best that god created them to be and we're just going to do this this morning I, if you're in the front we're going to lay hands on you but if you're standing behind somebody you can just put your hand on their shoulder and i'm going to pray bless you Lord. i need my wife to come this morning She's needs to be up here with me and we're just going to come we're going to start to lay hands on you if you're out there in the audience, can you just stretch your hands towards these people that have their have children in the home still? We're going to pray for one another today. Well, Father, we thank you this morning for the grace that you have made available to us. We thank you, Lord, that we're not on our own. We thank you, Lord, that you called us in this church to raise champions for God. And Lord, I just pray blessing over every family today. Father, we thank you this morning that your grace is sufficient for us. Father, as we train and as we raise up children and, and the fear of the Lord, we thank you that there is a proper way to discipline. Father, that we don't have to be too permissive or we don't have to be too too strong, Lord, but that we can walk in love and truth. And I pray for every family that's here today. God, I pray that you'll put something in their hearts and say, Lord, we're going to start fresh. God, we maybe haven't done it all right and all perfect today, but God, we're dependent upon you. We need your help today. We will put our trust in you with all of our heart. God, we we, we desire to see our children become everything you've created them to be. And God, I bless the parents here today. I bless every mom. I bless every dad. Father, we thank you today for the hope that you provide. There is hope in you today. Father, I pray blessing over every family that's here today. God, we just ask for your grace to be their portion. God, I pray for the spirit of forgiveness. I I pray for those who need to go home today and ask their children to forgive them, Lord, because well, they didn't they didn't do it right, Lord. They they said it in, out of anger. They 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 were uh, reacting out of anger, Lord. I pray today that the grace of God will come to this home. I pray for the grace of God to come into homes today. I pray for the forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus, I pray for your love, and I pray that in this church, God, there'll be a visitation of your spirit. God, there will be a visitation in your spirit that you will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers today. God, I pray for the man in this house. Lord pray for godly men, Lord, to take their responsibilities as tads, Lord, to be the spiritual leaders of their homes. God, to walk in obedience and to seek to do your will. God, I bless the fathers today. I speak the blessing of God over the fathers today. I pray, God, that your grace will be their portion, God. But they won't be neglectful. They won't be abusive or too permissive. They'll be fathers that'll be full of grace and strength. God, I bless the dads in this place. I pray for the moms today, God, for the moms of young children. God, when they just feel at their wits in today, I pray, God, that you will be their helper. God, I pray that you will be their helper. You will be their portion today. God, I pray that you will bless them. For the marriages in their, this church, God, I pray your blessing upon them today. And over the family units in City Church. God, I pray the kingdom of heaven come and the blessing of God as we seek to raise champions for you. I bless today. I bless these parents today. I bless the grandparents today, Father. I pray that your hand will be upon them for good. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said, Amen. We're going to sing through it all as we close this morning. Tom, lead us now. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus, and I've learned. Trusting God Through I've learned to depend
3: Upon His Word Through it all Through it all, through
0: it all, through it all i learned to trust in Jesus i the truth, but you